Hey, how you doing? I'm Steve Folland. Welcome to another one. This episode of Being Freelance is supported by Pensionbee, the flexible pension for the self-employed. They make it easy to contribute as much or as little as you like, as often as you like. Get set up in minutes and then get back to business. And if you've got existing pensions, it's easy to bring them together. Start saving for a future beyond being freelance. Download the app or head to pensionbee.com. Pensionbee is authorised and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority. With investments, your capital is at risk. But right now, let's find out what it's like being freelance for brand, visual and web designer, Fungi Dube. We see African expression in music, in clothes, in film and photography, but we hadn't really been seeing it in brand design, in web design. I decided to do a passion project and sort of express the Africanism, but do it through brand design. When I put that on LinkedIn, I was shocked. I was like, what is happening right now from different corners of the world being like, oh, we saw your project. And I was like, whoa, okay, this could be something. There's this lie that's been told that if you're into art, you are a starving artist, right? And I don't think that's a thing at all. So I've definitely embraced the business side of it because I still believe that we must make good money from our creative powers. At this stage where I'm at, like, I need to prioritize the things that really make sure that I get peace of mind in that moment. So if I am going away, I'm going away. If it's time to work, it's time to work. If it's time to play, it's time to play. Yes, this week we are off to Zimbabwe to Fungi, who has an amazing website. I probably say that a lot during this episode, to be honest, but it, it really does stand out. As with all of our guests, there will be links through so that you can find Fungi online, being freelance.com. This is the penultimate episode before the summer break, although, of course, everything still continues at beingfreelance.com and in the community. There's a link at the website. Uh, if you're after maybe a new t-shirt for the summer or if this is the winter in your hemisphere then perhaps a hoodie uh, then you can get them now being freelance ones at beingfreelance.com uh, the mugs are there as well uh, if you enjoyed this episode please do think about sharing it i love it when you tag at being freelancing on twitter and on instagram it really does help when you share the episode but of course you might also share it with somebody in real life i know imagine right shall we crack on chat to this week's guest as i say in zimbabwe we're chatting to freelance brand visual and web designer fungi dube hey fungi hi steve how are you i'm so good thanks for doing this as ever how about we get started hearing how you got started being freelance um, so I haven't always been a designer. I actually am a scientist by training, but the whole design thing came about because after university, I was struggling to get a job in my field of study and I wanted to sort of curb the frustration of that. So I decided to teach myself a new skill. And it so happens that skill was designed because a Photoshop video popped up on my YouTube and I just went for it. Uh, so fast forward, I did eventually get formally employed in my field of study, but the design bug had bitten me. So I just decided to start designing on the side. And then many years later, uh, not many, but a few years later, I then decided to go full time with it. So how did you get your first freelance clients? You did it on the side of your full time science job for a little bit, did you? 
Yes, I did. So I just started off by sort of volunteering myself to my family members. So um, a cousin of mine had a little baby shower that she was having. And then I decided that I wanted to make something pretty just to let the family know what was going on. So she actually was my first client, I guess, because she paid me for my service. And that's when I kind of realized that, hey, people actually pay people to make these things. So I just sort of started like um, self-marketing on, on my social media and that sort of thing. And yeah, that's how I sort of started getting a bit of traction. And then I got my first corporate client. How did you know when you were ready to take the leap to like leave your full-time job, if you see what I mean, and go full in on this design career? I think it came about when I sort of started getting a reaction that I had no idea was going to be so positive because what I ended up doing is that I decided to change my entire persona online. So I had been tweeting about all things like science, maybe my job, just random things about football here and there, but I decided to take everything down. So all my tweets, all my Instagram posts, and I just started posting solely my design work. And I was kind of shocked because more and more people started getting interested in what I was doing. And it sort of hit me that, hey, you could be onto something here. So maybe it is time for you to actually consider a career pivot and see what you can make out of it. Ah, so it wasn't that you you maybe got to the fact that you had too much work to do or something like that. It was more kind of like a gut feel of actually, there's a really good response to this. Exactly. So I wasn't that sort of person who was like, completely overwhelmed by how many people were coming to me but I just really felt like this was something that I wanted to pursue so if anything it came from it was a very like internal sort of shift where I was like Mm. you know what this feels more you and it feels like something that you should definitely be doing so just give it a shot and see how it goes. And would you right back then have designed anything? Starting with the baby shower, but as you went full time, uh, what were you kind of doing? Uh, yeah, I was I was doing everything. Uh, I think that the formative years of my creative entrepreneurial journey were very chaotic and extremely experimental. So I did anything and everything. I had no, I don't know, I guess I could say I didn't have a particular industry that I wouldn't serve. Uh, For as long as they were bringing work to the table, I would do it, even if it was work that wasn't particularly inspiring or, you know, just sort of like repetitive work. I would do it all. So you could have asked me the most random thing, Steve. You could have been like, my my pug is turning six. Can you design something? (laughs) And I definitely would have done it. Uh, So it was just, it was very messy when I started out. Would you say you have like a niche now or a certain thing that you design now? Yeah, most definitely. So my work currently is heavily centered on being able to elevate African narratives. Um, So it's very culturally inclined. So those are the kind of stories that I like to tell. And I like to tell them in sort of like a modern interpretation, which is very different from what we're just talking about and what I used to do. That's so cool. So you've niched, obviously, I described you as a brand and visual and web designer. So you've niched specifically in what you do, but then also in how it looks. Um, mm-hmm. With um, and By the way, I'll put a link at beingfreelance.com. Everybody, you have to go and check out Fungi's website because it's amazing. But you'll very much see this sort of African narrative, as you put it, running through it. How did you make that shift, though, as in... Did you get a particular job that allowed you to do that style or did you start creating it yourself? 
Um, so I hadn't had any jobs of that nature. But what actually triggered everything is the fact that I encountered a book. And this book is called African Alphabets. And it's by Professor Sakima Fundigwa, who is well known internationally, but he's also a native born here in Zimbabwe. So the book is cool in the sense that it highlights all these like different writing systems in Africa. And I had never encountered anything like that because I feel like for most of my life, that sort of cultural aspect has been sort of like diluted or it hasn't been brought to the forefront as much. So when I saw that, I was like, wait, you were telling me that there are whole like design systems that are centered around, you know, like African culture and that sort of thing. And it honestly felt like such a revelation at that point. So I decided to do a passion project. And that passion project was just a way of me seeing how I could sort of step into the style and sort of express uh, you know, the the Africanism, but do it through brand design, because I also noticed that there was a massive gap. Like we see African expression in music, in clothes, in film and photography, but we hadn't really been seeing it in brand design, in web design, in UI, UX design. So the passion project was actually a coffee packaging project that I did. And I went in like illustrating, uh, you know, like different landmarks and natural features and patterns and that sort of thing from major coffee growing regions in Africa. And that was the thing that sort of set everything off. Because when I put that on LinkedIn, I was shocked. I was like, what is happening right now? Why are people like messaging me? Like, who is this person from this place? And like from different corners of the world being like, oh, we saw your project. Like, uh, you know, it's really cool. And we like how you're doing this and that sort of thing. I was like, whoa, okay, this could be something. Uh, so that's how it all started. And now I've just sort of stepped into it and I run with it every single day. Man, that must have felt so, I don't know, so good. <laughs> I was incredibly shocked because I just put it out there. I was like, you know, I don't know what's going to yeah. happen. And I went to bed and I woke up the following morning. I was like, why are there so many notifications on my phone? Like, <laughs> did, did something happen? Have I been hacked? Like, did, like what happened? So then I got in and I checked. I was like, whoa, I must have had an out-of-body experience because I was like, I don't even know what's happening right now. So that's that's how you kind of brought it to everyone's attention. How did you turn it into the thing that you were doing did a client soon come to you so I did start uh getting inquiries about that kind of work uh so I did a few projects um around that which may or may not have made it to social media but if anything the drive was more internal at that point because I knew that it was something that I was very passionate about Mm -hmm. so I was like regardless of whether clients are coming to me or not asking for me to do this particular style of work I'm just going to keep doing you know like passion projects or mock projects or just exploring ideas that I think are cool in that space and just putting them out there online. And how did that translate into what you were showing on your website as well because as I've said you know we can go to your website now and it's all very clear but how did you get it in that direction? Um, So I think with my website, because I actually launched my website this year um, in February, but I had started learning how to actually design websites in Webflow last year. So I think because I've had this sort of time, maybe like two or three years where I've 
sort of come into my own and I've kind of established, you know, the kind of work that I want to put out, the kind of work that I want for people to be able to engage with. When it came to building my website, it almost felt like a natural extension of who I am because I now have clearer direction as opposed to when I started. Uh, so I just wanted to be able to uh, portray that and to be able to express that just as like a natural extension of what already may people may see on my Instagram, but just, you know, have it flow through to my website as well. So we're now in July. So that's quite a quite a few months since it launched. Did you notice a, a difference once you put that live? Yeah, major difference. I actually ugly cried. <laughs> because <laughs> I ugly cried because again, um, it's one of those things like when you obviously are working from a point of view where you just want to be able to push things that are really, really important to you, but you don't realize how much of an impact that you're going to have on other people. So the reason why I ugly cried is because the response was massive, first of all, across all my social media, but also the fact that Webflow picked up my website and put it on the inspiration page. And I was like, whoa, what is actually happening right now? So... I have seen also just from being able to do that, there's been increase in the number of inquiries that I get in the quality of the work that I also do and the nature of the projects that I work on because I get to work on more projects that allow for me to be able to tell these kinds of stories. Oh, I love it so much. So does that mean now, if you know, if I came to you, because your website's amazing, right? If I came to you and went, Fungi, I love your website, I'd like something similar. But clearly for me, much as I love the African style that, that runs through it, mm-hmm. that speaks of you and your culture. It wouldn't be right for me to do that. So would you take on my project, if you see what I mean? Yes, I definitely see what you mean. And I think everything is very subjective. So I'm not going to say that there are projects that I do not take on that don't have that element of African storytelling. I do a lot of those kind of uh, those kinds of projects that don't as well. I think at the end of the day, what really matters to me is to make sure that we align on the same level, that the project is something that I can resonate with, regardless of whether it has a cultural aspect of or not. And it's just something cool and fun that I could work on. So the nice thing about being a good designer is that we're able to break down different kinds of briefs. So for as long as there's alignment on the core issues and like values and that sort of thing, I'll definitely take on your project, Steve. No problem. <laughs> but would you share it? I would share it. I'm not sure if it will particularly make it to my Instagram grid because that has, you know, mm. a certain vibe to it. But I share all sorts of projects on my stories all the time uh, that I do that are outside of um, African storytelling. So I would definitely share it for sure. I've shared many on my Twitter as well. So um, I would for sure. Yeah. Uh, okay. That's interesting. So there's like that more kind of like the fleeting nature perhaps of twitter or instagram stories which means it's not sticking around whereas instagram grid and your website that's more like an actual portfolio yes exactly yeah i feel like we should just put some things in perspective so how long were you like freelancing alongside your job for uh so for six years and so when did you go like full-time freelance in in 2020 so towards the end of 2020 in november of 2020 um, at what point did your niche, you know, like the African narratives, all of that, for, um, wh- when did that 
come into your work? So that came into my work uh, mid-2018. So when you were freelancing in your full-time job, did you have quite a lot of work going on? Like, how were you juggling that? I I, I didn't sleep. <laughs> <laughs> sleep? What was that? Uh, yeah, I was probably functioning on like three hours, three, four hours of sleep every single day because I... It was it was a lot of hard work for sure. Would I recommend it? No, but again, this also comes from the fact that I was very scared to sort of go into full time freelancing, and I gave myself excuses as to why I should not do it. So I did end up getting very burnt out. I found myself falling ill as well. So in the in the sense that you know you get like consistent headaches and that sort of thing, obviously because you're not resting enough and you're just pushing at both jobs and you know it's 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 a lot. So yeah, that was a very chaotic time for me. And so when you then finally went freelance, had you like built up, I don't know, a safety net of cash, for example? Did you have lots of clients ready to go? How prepared were you, I guess? Uh, so I had a decent number of clients. I wouldn't say lots. I, I had a few and I had a few who were repeat clients as well. So that was great. But I did sort of plan for it because I wasn't sure what also this new side was going to look like when it's fully freelance. And I have to now step up and be like, hey, I'm not, you know, that science person that you knew me for. I'm now this full time designer. So I did have a bit of a safety net as well. Not a lot, but I was like, if, you know, things really go south, then at least I know that for the next, you know, like four or six months, then I should still be able to do something and still be able to take care of myself. So I had a bit of a safety net for sure. How about where your clients are? Um, so my clients are everywhere. I serve clients in the Americas, in Europe, um, in sub-Saharan Africa. I think the nice thing about this day and age is that all you need is an internet connection, right? Mm. Um, so for as long as that's going, uh, you can always have different kinds of conversations with different people in different places. So um, I'm not limited to my geographical location. I serve clients all over. Obviously, you trained as a scientist. There's, there's an element of that scientist is still inside you. And I'm wondering whether that helps when it comes to like the, the, the processes. Um, yeah, basically, I'm thinking scientists, are, forgive me if I'm being stereotypical. <laughs> I'm thinking of scientists <laughs> as being very logical, for example. Yeah. And so, sometimes uh, the more creative side of our brain isn't and actually when we run a business it pays for us to be a bit more efficient and kind of like get things in order and um am I talking nonsense or has that side of it helped you uh you're not talking nonsense at all I feel like it makes perfect sense that you would ask that question so I have found that I'm able to marry the two because I find design also to be quite methodical in the sense that you have to think of a strategy you have to know where to get your resources you need to know how to put everything together to iterate on that to test it to see if you need to introduce you know like other external resources and that sort of thing so just like how I may have been used to like scientific methodology where you have to break everything into steps and see what you need for it that's exactly what I do with my design work as well so I'm not afraid 
to read a research paper, to read 20 pages of what someone has written on something that I need to know about so that I can just come up with a visual for that because of my scientific background. So I find that the two, I'm able to marry them and it works perfectly fine for me. So from your experiments, as it were, in business, what have you find works best for you? Ooh, that is a very interesting question. So I think, <laughs> <laughs> so in business, I think um, one, I had to learn very quickly uh, because I'm obviously a solopreneur, like I stated. So that means I do everything by myself. I work for myself. I am admin, marketing, social content creation, all wrapped in one. And I found that from having gone through like several avenues where I could have maybe uh, started thinking about having someone on my team and that sort of thing, that this is the model that works for me. So it works for me because I'm able to really like control variables and that sort of thing. And I'm really able to make sure that things are done to the standard that I would like for them to be done at. And it also allows for me to work more on being productive and being organized. So all of this came out of trying different things and seeing if I could have other people come on and that sort of thing. And I was like, you know what, this is what works for me right now. And I'm just going to stick with that. Things may change down the line, but for now, that's exactly how I would like for it to be. Ah, so you tried hiring other people? I have, and it wasn't as great as I thought it was going to be. I think also because there is... Uh, sort of like this preconceived notion or maybe my hiring techniques were just not the greatest that's something that I I would maybe have to think about but I think there was this preconceived notion that you know if you then on the team and that sort of thing like uh, certain things are things that you may not be able to do or you feel like they're beneath you and that sort of thing well, I was like well we've got to put in like hard grant work as we're starting to make sure that this thing works and stays afloat, right? But it just wasn't working out well. So I just decided that I just needed to do everything by myself for now. And that has been my preferred model. Mm. How about, um, like, are you somebody who works on one thing at a time? Or do you have multiple projects and clients on the go at once? Um, So I do typically have multiple projects going on, but within reason. So my my thing is that I will probably onboard between one and three clients every single month, depending on the nature and the scope of the project, but it will never go beyond that. So I could potentially work with one client for eight weeks, or I could be working with three clients over a 14-week period. I know that everything is staggered and I'm able to balance uh, when deliverables are expected, you know, like when we need to do review sessions and everything like that and make sure that I deliver the projects on time. So that's how I structure it currently. Does that mean sometimes you have to tell clients to wait or to go away? Uh, so not necessarily go away, but I do ask them kindly to wait. Uh, so the nice thing is that I have also realized that, especially when you're running business, like being transparent and, you know, like communication is very important. So um, if I am unable to take on a project at any given time, then I'll just let them know and let them know when I'll have an opening. And if they're okay with that, then uh, of which most of them have been because they've been so gracious with me, they will wait. But if they're not, then I'm always happy to recommend them to someone who I think would still be able to do a good enough job for them. I guess that's one great thing about, um, particularly if you're 
you have a really specialized niche and a really wonderful style is that that makes me think, well, actually, I don't know whether I could get that somewhere else. Maybe, uh, you know, I will wait. Mm-hmm. Do, do, have you been able to figure out how to get that same sort of speciality sort of into your pricing, for example? Um, yes. Yeah, so I think, and this is always very interesting because I know that I get asked quite often, they're like, oh, does it like limit like how much you can charge or does it limit like who you can work with, especially if you've decided to go down the specialized route? And what I've actually noticed with time is because it's something that a lot of people now want to be able to, not a lot, but, you know, just people who resonate with that kind of work want to be able to express that, is that they are actually not going to be in a position where they're trying to fight me because I've said that this is my rate for the work that we want to be able to do. I think that there's a mutual understanding of the value that comes out of it. And there's also a mutual understanding of the fact that it is something that is quite specialized. So they are willing to pay me what I asked them for. How did you get a feel of what you should be charging? That is always a tricky question, isn't it? Because I feel like pricing strategy is so different for everyone. But I think just with with time and with a little bit of experience and maybe being in circles where you have different kinds of conversations with other designers and that sort of thing, you just land on a number that you're able to go to bed happy with. <laughs> like you can go to bed and be peaceful about it, but also know that even from whatever number you're pegging it at, you're still able to cover your overheads if you have any and you can still, you know, have good margins and that sort of thing. So I think it was just a matter of doing the math to see what makes sense for me and my current business needs and then uh, pegging that in such a way that I'm also still able to go to bed and be like, okay, even if we do the work, I will still be happy with the amount that I charged. So that's just how I look at it. Back with Fungi in a moment. Clearly, I love her website. But does Google love your website? Oh, that's very clever, Steve. Thanks very much. Um, There's lots of things that can help your SEO ranking. Is it accessibility friendly? Does it load quickly? Page speed, I believe they call it. Uh, How about the links? The links that you've got going out, are they broken? How about the links coming back to you? The backlinks. And I've barely scratched the surface, mainly because I don't know what I'm talking about. But that's okay, because Hrefs do. This episode is sponsored by Hrefs. And if you check out their webmaster tools at hrefs.com slash awt, you will find that you can type in your URL. Their clever little robots will do an audit of your website and then prioritize what you can do to get yourself ranking in Google higher. And if you don't understand SEO, like me, it's okay because they have tutorials. They also have handy little buttons you can click on to explain the stuff that you're looking at. So go to hrefs.com slash A-W-T. Check it out for yourself. That's A-H-R-E-F-S dot com slash A-W-T. And thank you very much to Hrefs for sponsoring this episode. Right, back to Fungi's story. One thing I remember noticing when I was looking at your website uh, was you had a shop and I sort of went, oh, okay, maybe you've got like products with your amazing designs on it or something like that. But intriguingly, actually, it was more to help other creatives, right? Yes, that was very intentional on my part where I decided that I was going to absorb all the e-commerce costs for my website and not charge a single dollar for what I have up there. 
because I feel like when I was starting out, what I didn't have was access. And I see a lot of that now, especially with like young and upcoming designers here on the continent where they may not necessarily know the the back end or like the more professional way of presenting their ideas or, you know, presenting terms of engagement, making sure that, you know, them and their clients' interests are protected and that sort of thing. So I put up those templates and I was like, you know what, whoever wants to get them can always get them for free because it's something that I never used to get. And I want for them to be able to at least see or get an idea or get an introduction as to how they can do these things. So that was really intentional on my part. Yeah, it's really nice. But I also noticed that one of them, so, and by the way, like I mentioned, there'll be a link at beingfreelance.com, but it includes like, you know, a contract template and pricing and packages guide and things like that. And it's really kind of you to literally give it away. One of them, though, was a Notion client portal. And that made me go, oh, you have a client portal. Um, So this is how you deal with your clients, yeah, so I found that Notion is the best platform for me. Um, other people use other things like Asana and that sort of thing, but Notion is just great in my opinion because it allows for you to manage projects and you can get feedback like seamlessly, you can drop assets and that sort of thing, and it's all housed under one roof. So it means that I have very quick access to my client, my client has quick access to me, and if we need to exchange ideas, if we need to exchange feedback, if I need to show them what I'm working on, then I can just easily drop it there, and everyone has access to everything. So you're able to give, I don't know, client A just access to client A's bit of your notion? Yes. So every single client that I work with will have their individual portal, but they're all housed under my account. So Steve will have one, Fungi will have one, uh, and I'm able to just click through and see what's happening there and then go to the next and just see what's happening there. And does that mean it also makes it easy to duplicate? I suppose this goes back to that process. Like when you bring somebody else on, is it just you press a button and it kind of replicates itself? Yeah, exactly. So because um, I just duplicate and then I just change all the client details so um, to their brand name and then, but all of the content is still the same. So I'll still be able to upload the contract, any invoicing, uh, any questionnaires, any discovery documentation, all of that will still be there, but it will just be for a different client now. Have you found that that's helped running your business? It has helped a lot because I think it's also helped me to stay very organized and uh, most of my clients have kind of been like, oh, I, d- I don't know what Notion is and that sort of thing. But I'm like, oh, no, it's actually quite easy to use. So I've actually found that they've had a pleasant experience with it as well, because we're able to sort of have like a seamless way of working together. So I really, really, really appreciate that as an addition to my current uh, sort of creative toolkit, because it does allow for you to be quite organized and for things to go about a little bit more seamlessly. And how about the way that your clients find you now then? Is it purely through Instagram and uh, what was it, Um, LinkedIn? Yes. So I think that um, a big part of this, and it wasn't always the case where you have people who do find you um, through your social media, but a big part of it had to do with really nailing down like my marketing strategy and maybe sort of uh, gravitating towards building a stronger personal brand. So I do find nowadays that a lot of my clients find me through my LinkedIn, uh, which is probably like 65, 70% of my clientele and a few of them through Instagram. But 
right now uh, a lot more inquiries are coming through my website so I'm just gonna have to check the metrics and see how the numbers are but anyone who wants to work with me typically they find me online and what sort of thing are you doing on LinkedIn are you on there every day I'm not there every day uh, but what I've done is that I just um I went through a process of optimizing some of the features that they have on LinkedIn. So being able to use like my featured section, I pinned a few of my projects there. I pinned my website um, so that even if anyone is visiting my profile or they go and search for keywords, maybe they look for African graphic designer or African brand designer or independent um, African design or something like that. I optimized all of those keyword searches so that at least my profile pops up. And when they do visit my profile, then they're able to at least engage with some content because it's all pinned on my profile. Uh, so they can see what I do, what I'm about and that sort of thing. And they can always reach out to me. And you mentioned earlier, sort of knowing other designers and things like that. Are those online communities or do you know people locally doing a similar thing to what you do? Um, so I have a few friends who are in the same space. So when I say in the same space, I'm referring to being able to leverage culture as a means of visual storytelling. But we're all sort of doing it in a different way. So I have really good friends who are doing it through type design. So they're trying to revive lost African languages uh, through type. I have um, other friends who are experimental typographers. So they draw inspiration from everyday African things like maybe braids and that sort of thing. And they're coming up with really cool typefaces for that. Um, I also have friends who are exploring patterns, uh, who are exploring textures and that sort of thing, just from a cultural perspective. So I do know um, a few, but our work, when you do, you know, look at it, it's very, very different, but the source really is the same. And how about locally? Do you know you know like in your city for example are you the only person who you know doing what you do being a designer online being a freelancer oh no no not at all I I do know a lot of local designers as well so there are quite a number of us who are doing it at different scales and in different ways is that helpful it is helpful uh because I think that sometimes when you are kind of stuck you are able to reach out to someone and have a conversation about how you can get unstuck but yeah, it, I do find it to be incredibly helpful. And more so not even like on a local level, I think just on a continental level. If that is a word, I hope it's a word. Well, <laughs> <laughs> um, and I hope it means exactly what I'm trying to express. But <laughs> on an African scale, I guess, uh, because there are quite a number of communities around, like you can always reach out to different people about different things that you may be going through and you can get some perspective and that sort of thing. So it's it's incredibly helpful. You've said entrepreneur or solopreneur quite a few times. That kind of makes me feel like you're embracing the business side. I definitely am because I think for the longest time there's – this lie that's been told that you've got if you're into art you are a starving artist right and I don't think that's a thing at all so I've definitely embraced the business side of it because I still believe I'm a firm believer a strong advocate actually that we must make good money from our creative prowess uh, so I definitely run my my creativity as a business because as much as I'm in a position where I'm able to you know just you know, have a blank canvas and come up with this work that really makes my heart happy. At the same time, I'm still able to make a good living for myself and, you know, take care of myself and do things and travel and that sort of thing. So it's definitely a business for sure. 
And how about how you work? Are you based at home? I am. You know, I can work from home, from the coffee shop, from the park bench, from under a tree. (laughs) (laughs) Um, For as long as I have an internet connection, that's all I need. And how how do you find your work-life balance? Like what's, what's that kind of like merging of the two like for you? So I struggled uh, when I started off because I felt like I had to work all the time. So I was probably spending like 16 hours a day at my desk just trying to make things happen because I like I didn't have proper like structures in place. I was still trying to figure everything out. So what balance? Balance did not exist then at all. Uh, but with time, I've sort of managed to put proper uh, systems in place that allow for me to have a more flexible schedule. And I'm able to also set realistic targets for myself. So I have more for balance now. I have a routine. I know when I wake up, I'm able to still go to the gym. I schedule work meetings at particular hours of the day. I also have little sprints. So I'll do like one hour sprints to say, okay, this hour is solely for admin. This hour um, is going to be for any project proposals that I need to do. And that sort of thing. This hour I'm doing edits. Um, Also personal time. Hey, this hour you're going to watch some Netflix or something. And that sort of thing. So I definitely have more of a work-life balance now than I did when I started, for sure. And do you get to take time out? I do. So I actually uh, recently took a whole month out um, and I I traveled in that month. So that's something that I'm also able to do because then I know when I've structured, when I've scheduled my projects, when they're supposed to to start and, and end. And also any... Um, future projects or clients that could be waiting for me, I would have communicated already that I'm not going to be available during this space and time because I would be taking time for myself. That is so good. So the secret to taking a whole month off is to having projects ready to go when you come back and having them wrapped up before you go away. Essentially, yes. So I would say the the secret really is organization, I think, (laughs) so that at least you know what's happening and what's not happening. Did you manage to not work during that month? Did you manage, like, (laughs) did were you thinking about work? Like, how did you, um, yeah, how was it, basically? It was it was really good. Uh, I actually took my my laptop and and everything with me, but I didn't even open it, not even once, um, because I think like that's one of the things that I feel like we also need to be intentional about. And I know that it's something that's hard for most of us to actually like dismiss ourselves from our work, especially when you work for yourself, because when you're not working you're not making money and no one is going to be like on the 25th here's your salary that's not going to happen so I was very intentional about it to say you know what I think at this stage where I'm at like I need to prioritize the the things that really make sure that I get peace of mind in that moment so if I am going away I'm going away if it's time to work it's time to work if it's time to play it's time to play uh, so I successfully managed not to do any work, which I'm very proud of. But now that I'm back, all I've been doing is working. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess, you know, it's it's a little cycle of life where you like you rest a bit and then you come back. And you're like, oh, reality is here again. So I've got to make sure that I'm working again. Do you plan to do it again in the future? Uh, yes, actually. So I have two other trips that I'm hoping to take this year. Uh, so I will definitely be doing that as well. 
Nice. You've already got them in the diary. Yeah, I do. <laughs> so I have one, hopefully October and then hopefully December. So I've already penciled them down and I need to be working towards that. For a week or two weeks or? Uh, so maybe three weeks at a time for both. Wow, I'm loving this, Wungi. Thank you. <laughs> Where are you going? Uh, so I'm hoping to go to Namibia in October and then Ghana in December. I wonder, because of your design niche whether whether you can pass that off as a business expense like you're going on a research trip so i mean that's also another part of it right because uh the reason why i am in this position is because i want to be able to go and see more and get like a lot more inspiration and that sort of thing so i can definitely definitely have it as a business expense for sure amazing Amazing. i need to niche in belgian chocolates and then i can (laughs) Pass them off as a business expense daily. Absolutely Um, love it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, now, Fungi, I always do this thing where I ask for three facts about yourself to make two true, one a lie, and let me figure out the lie. What do you have for me? Number one, I was at the top of my my art class. So I was the best student um, in high school. Um, Number two, I used to steal ostrich eggs when I was a child. (laughs) (laughs) That's a that's a massive curveball from the first one, or curved egg from the first <laughs> one. Okay, yeah, number three. And number three, before I fully got into design, I used to make custom occasion cards for people. So birthday cards, anniversary cards, whatever the case is. Those oh are my, my three God. facts. <laughs> <laughs> what I love here is that, the egg is such a different story to the other two. So now I'm stuck. I'm like, have you gone for two very obvious things and then you've made up one utterly ludicrous thing? Oh, is that true? Okay, so let me ask you a bit more. Yeah. Where were the ostrich eggs? Without wishing to like get yourself into trouble all these years later. So the ostrich eggs were actually in ostrich pins. So I would go there often, and then when my parents weren't looking, I'd just sort of sneak in and steal one. And on the way home, when you got there, I'd just be like, hey, look at what I got. (laughs) Okay, and how big is an ostrich? I'm imagining an ostrich egg is quite big. They are quite big. Um, So I think that would probably be, be like half the size of my head, I'd like to say. Of your current head or your child head? Uh, hmm, good question. Not, not that I've met you, but I don't know how big your head is. <laughs> Th- that is true. Saying, a child's... That is true. Okay, but I'm now imagining an egg. Okay, so how did you... What If I wanted to get into ostrich egg smuggling, mm-hmm. what's the best technique for hiding an egg on the way home? This is what I'm thinking. Is That's quite a big, delicate thing to be walking around with. That is true, but I think if you are crafty, you can always make it happen. Um, so I would maybe slip it under my jacket when they weren't looking, because then it would be, become very obvious if they saw this massive thing uh, from under my jacket. And then I'll put it behind the car seat and no one would see it. <laughs> okay, I don't know. All right. The first one, but you were the best student in your class. I've not got much to ask about that. And I don't know, you're, I mean, why couldn't you have been? <laughs> so if that is the lie, maybe the lie is that actually you were a terrible student, except that you, you know, you were a trained scientist. So you, you know, you must have been good. <laughs> Number three, you made cards 
that kind of felt you obviously have a natural design flair, but you said it came from just watching a video and I, I, oh, I don't know. Okay. The ostrich <laughs> one, the ostrich one clearly sounds like a lie, but equally, I think it's probably true. Okay. It's a very good story and it's so weird that I reckon that's true. Unless you're going to say you've never met an ostrich in your life. Uh, in which case you've never, yeah, oh God, I don't know. You've never made cards, Fungi. Okay. You, you hate cards. You nearly, yeah, you've never even sent a card. That's it. You don't, <laughs> you've not made cards. Okay. Is that your final answer? Yeah. You sure you're going to log it in? yeah okay um so the actual lie is the fact that i was at top of my art class (sighs) yeah i actually suck at drawing steve (laughs) Ah! (laughs) i'm terrible at drawing um i'm terrible at sketching but i can see ideas in my head and i can bring them to life in my illustrator but that's that's pretty much it (sighs) (laughs) on the plus side though that does mean the ostrich story is true and that i'm happy about (laughs) oh that was good um now fungi if you could tell your younger self one thing about being freelance what would that be to go for it because i think that i took two years longer to go freelance than i should have because i just had so much anxiety around it and i felt like i wasn't ready for it which is very valid but i think i gave myself a lot of excuses as to why i couldn't have done it earlier so if anything just to really you know take that step and what i've learned is that the worst that anyone can say is no and a no really isn't going to kill you it sucks but it does push you to sort of pull your socks up. So I would have definitely told my younger self to be a little bit more braver and a little bit more bolder, for sure. Fungi, thank you so much. It has been awesome to speak to you. I can't say this enough, everyone. You have to go and look at her website. Go to beingfreelance.com, click the link. Uh, For each episode, there's always show notes. There's links through to, so you can find Fungi, for example, on Instagram, but also check out her website, um, which which is, I'm starting to, I'm I'm seeing a pattern as well in, um, you know, like when I say to somebody, oh, I love your website. Often it seems to be in Webflow. I wonder whether there's something in that whether it um, allows designers a certain freedom. I don't know. It, it really does. I think that no code is a feature. And Webflow is really cool because it's a visual designer for websites. So it allows for you to be able to have all of these cool interactions and animations without a single line of code. I mean, if you know code, that's great because you can always do more. But if you just get a handle on it, you go through the learning curve, you're able to do so much in Webflow. But you kind of need to be a designer, as in I can get a Squarespace website, for example, and it because it kind of has templates and things. I don't need to be a designer. I know it will look all right, but I wouldn't be able to do that with Webflow, would I? No, no, definitely not. Because um, yeah. I feel like with any of these things, like the foundation for sure is a good grasp on graphic design uh, fundamentals and principles. So understand color type, all of that. Um, and yeah. 
it really is a great website anyway um so much personality comes uh through it as well as showing off the work that fungi obviously wanted to be doing and now is doing go take a look beingfreelance.com and there's so many other guests so please do take a listen remember it doesn't matter what they do it's all about the being freelance and if you've enjoyed this please do think about sharing it online but for now fungi thank you so much and all the best being freelance thank you so much for having me see so that is fungi very much enjoyed chatting to her just one episode left to go before the summer break make sure you join us for that next week if you're new to freelancing or you know somebody who is please do check out beingfreelance.com click on the course button and guess what it takes you to the course it's everything you need to get started with being freelance uh, from finding clients to setting up as a business to invoicing to managing your projects and your clients so that you don't burn out please do take a look beingfreelance.com click on course there is a 30-day money back guarantee so what have you got to lose beingfreelance.com click course (laughs) okay i'm done i'm out of here and i will see you for another one very soon indeed in the meantime you have a great week being freelance